The theme of this reflection, and I hope it'll run through what I have to say this morning, is the theme of being open to God. So we're thinking about prayer, but really trying to see it uh, in this kind of way. And the title of this first of the series on prayer is actually The Call to Prayer. And I don't know what you think when you hear that phrase, the call to prayer. I imagine some people think of the Muslim call to prayer. And in a way, it's not a bad thing for us to realize that people in different contexts, part of different communities, are praying, different faith communities pray. And all around the world, uh, people are praying. You might have picked up as you've been watching the miners in Chile and all that's been going on around there that quite a few of the banners are actually about praying. Pray for us. And people are praying there. I think our media probably haven't been able to quite process that, but it's actually going on. So we are part of something massive when we think about prayer. It's not a small thing. Prayer is happening around the globe. And it's not surprising that there's a kind of instinct towards prayer because we're made by God and he has put something of that within us, a desire to have a relationship with him. So we're going to probe a bit more deeply uh, as to what Jesus has to say in Matthew's Gospel particularly. And there's a kind of overarching statement that Jesus makes about what it means to have a relationship with him. And he says, it's not really about the outward things necessarily. Uh, And that came out in the song, doesn't it? It's not just the things that we can see, the buildings and all the, uh, the great things that make up worship. There's something which is actually more profound when we come to think about prayer. Uh, We're going to be digging a bit more deeply as we think. Because there are people who want to be known as the religious people. It's, It's almost like a kind of Mr. Bean type thing, you know. Look at me. Uh, You want to be seen. But Jesus is saying the opposite. He says, if that's what's on your agenda, yeah, you'll, you'll get something out of it. You'll get a reward because people will see you. But that's all that you'll get. And he said, the real life of prayer is very different. The real life of prayer is deeper. And this is the word that Jesus brought to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the word for us also today here in Camborne. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray while standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people can see see them. They have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your father in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Go into your room. Now, we don't actually have to have a special room. There was a friend of mine, uh, Ken, back in the 
70s who joined the church that Janice and I were in then. We lived in Sussex and uh, Ken joined our church. Ken uh, had become a Christian in prison. He was somebody who had lived a very violent life. He was well known in our community. If uh, the police wanted to go to Ken's door about something, four of them went. Uh, he was he was pretty strong. Uh, and very unexpectedly, uh, in prison, as he would describe it, he heard angels singing, and God met with him. This is his testimony. So this very violent man changed dramatically, came to our church, and his wife was kind of watching what's going on in this new phase of Ken's life, how long will this last. And one of the things she noticed was that he was going into the toilet a lot more and spending a lot of time in the toilet. And uh, she was wondering, you know, all kind of things that might be going on. But in the end, she asked him, uh, and you need to realize that he was reading the Bible for the first time, and he was reading the old King James authorized version of the Bible. And what he had got to was actually this passage, which says, when you pray, go into your closet uh, and do your praying in your closet. So for him, that was only one place. It was uh, the toilet. And uh, so he had to learn that you don't always follow everything quite so literally uh, as that in the Christian life. And we don't need to be quite so literal about having a room, but we do need space in our lives. A room, in a way, is a space, isn't it? And we do need space in our lives for prayer. But how long do we spend? Ken was spending quite a lot of time in the toilet, but Jesus actually says, when you pray, don't go on and on. Don't babble. That's the word that is used. Babbling like pagans. Because Actually, your father knows what you need. It's not that he needs to be told a lot of things. He does know, but he still wants us to come to him. That's what a relationship's about, isn't it? Uh, And he wants us to be open and to have a transparency uh, about what we really are, who we really are before God. So it's not necessarily clocking up long periods of prayer, although there's nothing, of course, wrong with extended times when we really are enjoying the presence of God. But it's not about many words. Uh, And in fact, a good prayer could actually be a short prayer. And that's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. I don't know how many seconds it takes uh, when we say the Lord's Prayer, but it's pretty short, isn't it? So here we have The prayer that is our model, and it's a short prayer. And we'll think about this prayer. It begins, Our Father. We all know this prayer, and it's said in many languages around the world, but we'll stick with the English. Uh, And uh, the hour, I think, is really important. This is not me and my God. It's not a kind of exclusive thing where I've got it together with God. It is our. It's, it's the whole of us joining together. And that's why we, uh, the, the, uh, mobile phone system is still going. Um, and it is, 
as something that we do together. I think that's really important, that we're drawn into something that has been going on through history, that is going on through the world, and we're part of it. We're, we're caught up into something that is much bigger than any one of us. So it is, it is our, and it's Father. And actually, this whole sense is not the remote Father, the judgmental Father, which maybe some of us might be aware of, but it is the deeply intimate relationship that there is between a child and a parent. That's what the father means in this context. Richard Foster is one of the people who's written a lot about prayer. And he talks about it in terms of this whole interaction, this family, children, maybe grandchildren, uh, parents, others involved in the family. And he says that the whole thing of interaction, when we're together we interact, and that builds relationship. And he says, that's what prayer is about. It's about, and I'm quoting here, a loving, wondrous, hilarious, agonizing relationship that we're developing with God. It's it's got so many parts to it, so many shades of light and also of darkness as we relate to God. So Jesus' prayer is our model, but it draws us in. It's our Father. In fact, the, the disciples were so excited by the awareness of how Jesus prayed that they said, Lord, we want to know how to pray. Teach us to pray. And in Luke's gospel, that's how he teaches the Lord's Prayer on the back of, of that request from the disciples. So they're drawn in and we're drawn in. And I just love this uh, Painting this icon from the Russian Rublev uh, painter of the Trinity. Probably some of you have seen this uh, before. It's uh, on the screen and it's uh, showing the, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it, it's just like a little community. Uh, who God is, who the Trinity is. This is not something for us to mathematically explain. It's something for us to visualize to experience. But the great thing here is that there's a space there. The Trinity is not closed, just having a great time, but open. Can you see that? Uh, And that space draws us in. And we're invited at the Lord's table today to be drawn in to that table. And so... What is this prayer, this relationship? In the Lord's Prayer, we go from our Father to God is holy. He is the one who is the king, and we pray for his kingdom to come. We pray for his will to be done. We, we think about him. We focus on God for a moment. And I like to think about this as, as attentive prayer. It's not kind of hectic prayer. Uh, It's not rushing necessarily, but a slowing down to be attentive to God and to the community. Uh, Some of you will know that I'm involved in some chaplaincy work at Edinburgh's Hospital in Cambridge. And so I go in and uh, I spend some hours usually each week uh, with people who are asking for 
a chaplain to come asking often for prayer. Uh, that's a really important part of, of what happens. You come alongside people uh, who are there, who are in, in their beds, and you pray. And I found myself challenged to really be attentive to the people, to understand what they're wanting to say, what their needs are, and to be attentive to what God's doing in that situation. How can I pray? Uh, it's sometimes not easy to know, but to be attentive to God is, is the, the key, is the secret. And so for us as a community to be attentive, to be aware of God in our lives and aware of each other. And the Lord's Prayer goes on not only to think about who God is, but also to think about what we need. It is about our daily bread. And that's actually about the bread for today. And that's not the way we normally think now, is it? We think way ahead. How much can I stock up? Not the bread for just today. But I think back to um, when I was a boy in the north of Scotland, and uh, there was one very exciting time when we were totally cut off in our little community because of snow, snow up to, you know, you can always kind of exaggerate a little bit. It probably wasn't quite up to here, but it seemed to a small boy to be very, very deep snow. And certainly people couldn't get through to our village. So it was exciting not to be able to go to school. But after a while, we literally were running out of bread. We couldn't get bread. And then it got even more exciting because a helicopter appeared overhead and lowered down bread. This is really bread from heaven, isn't it? Uh, you can call it something very spiritual. But for us, it was bread. And to see a helicopter in the 1950s was really something. So the provision that we need, that's really what this is about. But again, it's is it my daily bread in the prayer or is it... Our daily bread. I think it's supposed to take in all the needs that there are when we pray for our daily bread. For our forgiveness, for our protection in the whole of life. Prayer that will be led in the right way. And to me, this tremendous prayer really weaves everything through the whole of life. I love the the Celtic prayers, as you probably would imagine I would, coming from those Celtic lands. But here's a weaving prayer. Uh, and this is somebody who is actually doing the job of weaving, but thinking about God in the whole of her life. I weave into my life this day the presence of God upon my way. I weave into my life this hour the mighty God and all his power. I weave into my sore distress his peace and calm and no less. I weave into my steps so lame, healing and helping of his name. I weave into my darkest night, strands of God shining bright. I weave into each deed done, joy and hope of the risen sun. And this is what it means to weave prayer through our lives, the presence of God in everything. Jesus particularly talks about forgiveness. If you forgive others, their sins your heavenly Father will forgive you, but if you do not forgive others, 
your Father will not forgive you your sins. This might seem a massive challenge, but it reminds us that prayer isn't disconnected from everyday life, from how I'm getting on in my family, in my relationships, at my work. All of this is connected. And so we come together, not just to have our individual prayers, but to pray that we might live together as God's people, as God's community. And we seek help from God and from each other. There's a prayer ministry. There's an opportunity for prayer at the end of the service, back on the table there. And that's very important to be open, to be prayed for by others, to be helped in our relationships with God and others. And prayer really takes us, especially when we think about forgiveness, prayer takes us to the cross where Jesus forgave his enemies. So how can we forgive? Well, we can only do it through the strength that comes from what Jesus has done when he said, Father, forgive them. And so as we come to the cross, uh, we come as those who are needy, and we come to the table this morning, which takes us to the cross, and we come to receive help in our time of need. Some of you perhaps know the uh, the chapel at Edinburgh's hospital, the, the chapel of the Holy Spirit, and uh, where the chaplaincy office is next door, and I often see people coming into the chapel and they're praying in the chapel. And almost always you see Christians praying towards the cross that is there, and I really like that. You also see people of other faiths coming in, but they're not actually praying towards the cross. But for Christians, we're drawn towards that center of our prayer, what God has done in Jesus. We're open to what God has done and to what God is doing in our lives now because prayer transforms us. St. Augustine in North Africa, writing in the year 400 in his very famous book, The Confessions, which is actually a book of prayer. It's Augustine bringing himself and all his complicated life to God. And as he does that, he talks about how he could at times touch God for a fleeting instant. And Augustine said these words, You, God, made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they find rest in you. And that is prayer. It is being drawn into a relationship for which we were made.